section nine of the spirit of place and other essays this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by kate fallis the spirit of place and other essays by alice Maynell. the ladies of the idol little primrose dames of the english classic the wife and daughters of the vicar of wakefield have no claim whatever to this name of lady it is given to them in this page because goldsmith himself gave it to them in the yet undepreciated state of the word and for the better reason that he obviously intended them to be the equals of the men to whom he marries them those men being with all their faults gentlemen goldsmith in a word meant them to be ladies of country breeding but certainly fit for membership of that large class of various fortune within which the name makes a sufficient equality he their author thought them sufficient having amused himself ingeniously throughout the story with their nameless vulgarities he finally hurries them into so much sentiment as may excuse the convention of heroes in love he plays with their coarseness like a perfectly pleased and clever showman and then piously and happily shuts up his couples the gentle dr primrose with his abominable deborah the excellent mr burchell with the paltry sophia olivia but no olivia is not so certainly happy ever after she has a captured husband ready for her in a state of ignominy but she is also a forgotten farmer somewhere in the background the unhappy man whom with her father's permission this sorry heroine had promised to marry in order that his wooing might pluck forward the lagging suit of the squire olivia then plays her common trick upon the harmless williams her father conniving with a provision that he urges with some demonstration of virtue she shall consent to make the farmer happy if the proposal of the squire be not after all forthcoming but it is so evident her author knew no better that this matter may pass it involves a point of honour of which no one neither the maker of the book nor any one he made is aware what is better worth considering is the fact that goldsmith was completely aware of the unredeemed vulgarity of the ladies of the idol and cheerfully took it for granted as the thing to be expected from the mother-in-law of a country gentleman and the daughters of a scholar the education of women had sunk into a degradation never reached before inasmuch as it was degraded in relation to that of men it would matter little indeed that mrs primrose could read any english book without much spelling if her husband and son were as definitely limited to journeyman's field labour as she was to the pickling and the gooseberry wine any of those industries is a better and more liberal business than unselect reading for instance or than unselect writing therefore let me not be misunderstood to complain too indiscriminately of that century or of an unlettered state what is really unhandsome is the new slovenly and corrupt inequality 
equality whereinto the century had fallen that the mother of daughters and sons should be fatuous a village worldling suspicious ambitious ill-bred ignorant gross insolent foul-mouthed pushing importunate and a fool seems natural almost innocently natural in goldsmith's story the squalid mrs primrose is all this he is still able through his vicar in the most charmingly humorous passage in the book to praise her for her prudence economy and obedience her other more disgusting characteristics give her husband an occasion for rebuking her as woman this is done for example when despite her obedience she refuses to receive that unlucky schemer her own daughter returned in ruins without insulting her by the sallies of a kitchen sarcasm she plots with her daughters the most disastrous fortune hunt she has given them a teaching so effectual that the vicar has no fear lest the paltry sophia should lose her heart to the good the sensible birchall who had saved her life for he has no fortune mrs primrose begins grotesquely with her tedious histories of the dishes at dinner and she ends upon the last page anxious amid the general happiness in regard to securing the head of the table upon these feminine humours the author sheds his vicar's indulgent smile what a smile for a self-respecting husband to be pricked to smile a householder would wince one would think at having opportunity to bestow its tolerance upon his cook between these two housewifely appearances mrs primrose potters through the book plots always squalidly talks the worst kinds of folly takes the lead with a loud laugh in insulting a former friend crushes her repentant daughter with reproaches that show envy rather than indignation and kisses that daughter with congratulation upon hearing that she had unconsciously and unintentionally contracted a valid marriage with a rogue spoils and makes common and unclean everything she touches has but two really gentle and tender moments all through the story and sets once for all the example in literature of the woman we find thenceforth in thackeray in douglas gerald in dickens and umpupratu hardly less unspiritual in spite of their conventional romance of youth and beauty are the daughters of the squalid one the author in making them simple has not abstained from making them cunning their vanities are well enough but these women are not only vain they are so envious as to refuse admiration to a sister-in-law one who is their rival in no way except in so much as she is a contemporary beauty miss arabella wilmot says the pious father and vicar was allowed by all except my two daughters to be completely pretty they have been left by their father in such brutal ignorance as to be instantly deceived into laughing at bad manners in error for humour they have no pretty or sensitive instincts the jests of the rich says the vicar referring to his own young daughters as audience are ever successful olivia when the squire played off a dullish joke mistook it for humour she thought him therefore a very fine gentleman 
the powders and patches for the country church the ride thither on blackberry in so strange a procession the face wash the dreams and omens are all good gentle comedy we are completely convinced of the tedium of mrs primrose's dreams which she told every morning but there are other points of comedy that ought not to precede an author's appeal to the kind of sentiment about to be touched by the tragic scenes of the vicar of wakefield in odd sidling ways goldsmith bethinks himself to give his principal heroine a shadow of the virtues he has not bestowed upon her when the unhappy Williams, above mentioned, has been used in vain by Olivia, and the squire has not declared himself, and she is on the point of keeping her word to Williams by marrying him, the vicar creates a situation out of it all that takes the reader roundly by surprise. I frequently applauded her resolution in preferring happiness to ostentation. The good goldsmith here is olivia perfectly frank with her father as to her exceedingly sincere preference for ostentation and as to her stratagem to try to obtain it at the expense of honour and of neighbour williams her mind is as well known to her father as her father's mind is known to oliver goldsmith and as oliver goldsmith's dr primrose's and olivia's minds are known to the reader and in spite of all your goldsmith and your vicar turn you this phrase to your very face you hardly know which way to look it is so disconcerting seeing that olivia with her chance recovered virtue and sophia may both be expected to grow into the kind of matronhood represented by their mother it needs all the conditions of fiction to surround the close of their love affairs with the least semblance of dignity nor in fact can it be said that the final winning of sophia is an incident that errs by too much dignity the scene is that in which burchell revealed as sir william thornhill feigns to offer her in marriage to the good-natured rogue jenkinson fellow-prisoner with her father in order that on her indignant and distressed refusal he may surprise her agreeably by crying what not have him if that be the case i think i must have you myself even for an avowedly eccentric master of whims this is playing with forbidden ironies true he catches her to his breast with ardour and calls her sensible such sense and such heavenly beauty finally exclaims the happy man let us make him a present of the heavenly beauty it is the only thing not disproved not dispraised not disgraced by a candid study of the ladies of the idol end of section nine